Well, the Gonzaga women's basketball program has been a mainstay in the NCAA tournament in recent years, thanks to the great work of today's guest, head coach Lisa Fortier. Lisa talks about the two newcomers on the team, the rivalry with BYU, and how the transfer portal and NIL have impacted women's basketball. All right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. I am super excited for today's episode. It's been, of course, an exciting run for both the men's and the women's basketball programs at Gonzaga for decades, frankly, and I'm thrilled to be joined today by the head coach of the Gonzaga women's basketball program, Lisa Fortier, to talk about this program's recent run of success and what the team is going to look like next year. Lisa, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. Yeah, no problem. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, It's been so fun to follow this team. And I think one thing that that I've always noticed when following the team is at the end of every year, there's always seems to be this kind of talk about like, which players are are leaving, you know, you're losing the Worth Twins, or you're losing Jill Townsend, or Laura Stockton, or Zakira Rice, or whoever it may be, and concern of like, is the program going to stay, you know, moving forward? Are they going to keep progressing? And and every year it seems to be the case. And this year, you know, we're kind of talking about a similar topic with Sierra Walker out the door. But now we have this transfer out of Utah, Brenna Maxwell, Destiny Burton joining the squad from Panola College. I'd love to hear a little bit more about those two players and kind of what they bring to this team next year. Yeah, well, I, I would say that I feel the same way. Um, I think every year when we gra- we graduate good players and that's mm-hmm. by design um, for good programs, you want to be graduating good players every year. Mm-hmm. And so um you know, if you didn't, then you probably wouldn't have been very good the year before. So, um, you know, but it is a little bit worrisome. So um, Brenna is certainly going to fill a role that um, Sierra had last year. I think the d- difference in the, in those two would be, I think Sierra has traditionally guarded, you know, a lot of point guards. I don't know if we're going to have Brenna do that. She's got more size to her. Um, mm-hmm. Brenna is a proven shooter, though, and a scorer. She's been able to score a lot of different places on the floor. Um, she's about five inches taller than Sierra. So I think we're going to be able to um, post her up some inside. Yep. I mean, she's, she's just well-established on our, our roster. We return three pretty veteran players in the Trongs and Yvonne, mm-hmm. but then um, we're, and everyone else I think is poised and ready to make a jump, but um, adding Brenna just gives us a little bit more um, stability. And I think mm-hmm. a, a proven player who's experienced it to help bridge that gap between two years of big time graduation. It's not just last year. We graduated five the year prior, and then we graduated five again last year. So in two years, we've graduated 10 players off of our team, which is pretty significant. Yeah, that's a that's a tremendous amount of talent to lose and still be able to recoup it and, and obviously have the success that the program had last year. Uh, you mentioned you, uh, Yvonne, and I kind of wanted to touch on her a little bit because uh, one of the other things that, that I've noticed kind of following this program is a very good job of kind of seeing players progress from bench player, maybe very little playing time early on, and then kind of gradually play more and more and then kind of blossom into a starter or a significant contributor uh, by the time they're juniors or seniors we saw it with melody kempton last year obviously had a tremendous season after being somebody who who didn't play as much early on uh yvonne obviously had a, had a big role last year but it seems like she's primed to have a really big role next year what are your kind of hopes and thoughts for her heading into next season yeah i mean she's 
certainly ready. Um, if mm -hmm. I've gotten one message from some um, of our fans about whether or not Yvonne's going to start, I've yeah. gotten 150,000. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, they just like keep yeah. coming in. Same people, same question. Mm -hmm. And um, again, uh, the, the way that it works, we had Anna and, and Mel who were different. Uh, mm -hmm. Mel and Bonnie were very similar as far as uh, what they brought to the table, how they would attack their size. And so mm -hmm. we just thought last year it was great to have um, Anna as a defend defensive player, a shot mm -hmm. blocker, um, a different kind of enforcer. And then you bring in Yvonne, you bring in Caitlin Trong, and it changes things. You know, When you can bring energy off the bench, um, other teams sub, and usually there's a letdown, but when we've been able to sub and bring in you know, maybe people think a more powerful hit sometimes, <laughs> then that's a huge advantage to us. And so, um, you know, you had mentioned Destiny Burton, and I think she's going to be a nice role piece, but Yvonne is certainly ready to yeah. um, take over as that primary offensive post player or forward, however you want to call him. Mm -hmm. um, she's, she's got a lot. She just continues to grow. You know, she's in the gym asking Coach Craig if we can have harder workouts, can I have a harder workout. And, and he's are pretty hard. So it's not like they're easy workouts to begin with, but she's just really trying to expand her, her perimeter game. She's trying to get better at her drive game. Um, she's trying to guard better. She's just really interested in being her very best. Uh, and it's really fun to coach players like that. Um, but this will be the second year in a row. I mean, Mel was the sixth player of the year. Mm -hmm. And then she comes in and she's a tournament MVP. She's a first team all conference player this, the, the year following Bonnie was the sixth player of the year. And um, you know, there's a lot of potential for her to do the same kind of things as Mel, uh, even even more than that, possibly even. Yeah. So the you mentioned the Trunk Twins already in that question, and I kind of want to touch on them too, not just because they've been staples for the program for a couple of years, but recently they got a really cool opportunity to to go to Vietnam to play in the Southeast Asian Games. Uh, we heard from them a little bit on the podcast a few weeks ago, an audio that they did with Brenna Green of KREM, and just kind of talking about that experience. And I'm for you, obviously, it must must be very cool to see them get this kind of opportunity to play internationally and kind of represent uh, their country, but also represent Gonzaga across the, uh, you know, across the pond. And I'm curious kind of your thoughts on, on how that went and what you've heard from them since they've been back. Yeah. So we've had a lot of players who've played with their national teams. We've had a few mm -hmm. play for the U S in different, at different levels. Um, Courtney Vandersloot and mm -hmm. Caitlin Redmond and um, Kayla Standish did some stuff with USA basketball, yep. but more often they've come from inter our international players coming in. So the Trungs are in a unique situation as Americans with the mm -hmm. Vietnamese passport. And I think, so that's been something new for us to work through that and help them with that process. But um, they, I think they had a tremendous time over there. I think it was really meaningful for their family. I don't know if either of their parents had been back to Vietnam. Um, I don't believe mm -hmm. that they had since they had come to the United States and the trunk, uh, the twins, Lee and Lynch mm -hmm. certainly had not been over there. And so I think it was meaningful for them to go back to where their parents had come from. Um, and also just to, you know, they speak the language, but they've never been immersed in it in the, in the cultural experience like that besides mm -hmm. within their family. Um, so I, I think the, the cultural piece was probably the most impactful to them. Uh, they, they're well supported at Gonzaga. We have tons of fans, you know, you've been there. It's full, yeah. but it was a, even more than that. And for three on three and for mm -hmm. you know, it, the, just the turnout that they had overseas, I think was overwhelming to both of them. I know Lynn has talked a lot about it and I think that made a huge impact for her, just how many people came out to watch their team play and to support them and how much they, they just love them. Um, a little bit of like a fandom type of situation mm -hmm. for them. And, 
So I think that the basketball was good. I mm-hmm. think they were hoping that they would get a gold, and they didn't end up sure. with one of those. They had done well in that Bali tournament prior, the warm-up to the, in the three-on-three, but mm-hmm. weren't able to come away with a gold, but still just a great experience. I think something that they're going to continue to want to play for the Vietnamese national team going forward and um, hopefully kind of got things started or just showing what basketball, you know, Vietnamese basketball could be like. Mm-hmm. And they, I know they played with some great teammates, so that was a good part. They keep talking about the food. I don't know if they told you, but uh, the food was apparently authentic and better than anything they can find around here. Yeah, not surprised by that. All right, we are going to come back in the second segment, and Lisa and I are going to discuss the rivalry with BYU, what it's like to play in front of a very passionate fan base in Spokane, the growth of the WCC. But before we do that, I want to tell you all about LinkedIn. As the sun comes out and small businesses are back in business, LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier to grow your team. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the people you want to interview faster and for free. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading companies. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know that every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. You touched on the fan base at Gonzaga, and I, that was kind of the next thing that I wanted to talk about. Was just uh, one of the things I loved about being at Gonzaga was not just that obviously the men's games are packed for every single game, and they're going to continue to be packed. But the women's games are packed too, and they always have been. At least they were when I was there. They appear to be uh, for the games that I watch on TV. It still looks like the place is pretty much a full house day in and day out, uh, and and that's not always the case uh, for a lot of other uh, women's programs at other colleges, even colleges that have prominent men's programs. And so uh, I'm just curious your thoughts on how special it is to be able to coach a team uh, that draws as well as Gonzaga does and and how the players kind of react to to being in an arena that's that's full most of the time. Yeah, when who were the women's players when you were play, when you were at Gonzaga, Andy? Uh, I graduated in 2013, so I like was right around Slutes, uh, Kayla, Palmer, Jasmine Redmond. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, yeah. For us, it's the student athlete experience. And yep. when we talk to recruits and we talk to other people, we're, we're hoping that other people can increase their attendance because mm-hmm. our athletes, every single time they come out and play at home, have an amazing student athlete experience, whether mm-hmm. it's a, a true sellout or just pretty full. I mean, mm-hmm. it's all, it always feels like it's pretty full. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of our fans don't understand that it's not like that everywhere. Yeah. Um, they, they think because that's what it's like at the Zags games, that it's like that wherever we go and it's just not the case. And mm-hmm. so I'm so, I feel so lucky that we get to put our players in a position um, as coaches and as a program where every time they go out, they're going to have a great experience. Yeah. You're not going to be thinking, you know, uh, there's not that many people here or, mm-hmm. you know, I have to create some energy. There's energy mm-hmm. in the building. Um, it's an electric environment. Even on our days you know, during 
during Christmas break, the students the, or the band, you know, mm -hmm. our students kind of ebb and flow. We're trying to consistently build that up. And I know the Kennel Club this year tried to be mm -hmm. a more consistent presence, but the band is amazing. Yeah. And that's made up of students. So even, even when our student section's gone this year, we had um, the band was out of town and we had about 250 little kids who signed up for, uh, you know, with their teams that mm -hmm. showed up. And so marketing and the administration do, do a great job of filling in those seats when it's not the traditional setting where we mm -hmm. have, um, you know, our band and our student population and, and that. So I, I just think we're a huge part of the community and the guys, the guys are superstars in the community. Mm -hmm. and We know that, but our players are too. They, yeah. they might appeal to slightly different demographics, yep. but I'll tell you what, when I'm in Costco on a Sunday, um, <laughs> I can't go two feet without someone saying great job coach or, or unfortunately sometimes we don't win all of them. <laughs> oh, coach, you guys wish you could have done this a little better. Um, mm -hmm. And our players, I know, feel that too, when they go any restaurant, anywhere, it's just, it's nice mm -hmm. to be an important part of a community like Spokane, the Spokane community. Absolutely. I'll tell you, my uh, my best friend in college, my roommate was uh, a part of the band and he he clamored for everybody all the time. Go to women's games, go to games. They're fun. Uh, and obviously the band has such an integral role in kind of making that environment. And it's, it's very cool to see, uh, again, looking at other schools. I've worked in higher education. I've worked at other universities and that's that that kind of energy is not there. And it's, it's really cool to see that uh, for for every basketball game that happens at Gonzaga, not just uh, for the men's side. It's really, really cool. Yeah. BYU uh, is the next thing that I wanted to talk about. Uh, they're out the door. Conference realignment is a very hot button issue right now as we're talking about this. But uh, we do know that BYU uh, is going to the Big 12. Uh, they're heading out the door. Uh, they, they've been a really fun part to be in the WCC for, for a lot of sports, obviously. But for women's basketball, that's a sport that they've really excelled at for a long time. Uh, and Gonzaga and BYU have had a ton of battles uh, on the basketball court. I'm curious what you think about them, them moving on. And if hopefully we'll continue to see Gonzaga versus BYU games, uh, even if they have to happen in the non-conference slate, uh, curious if, if that's something that you guys have discussed yet or not. Uh, well, Jeff Judkins and I had talked about it a little bit and now mm -hmm. he's since been replaced by right. um, another coach, but uh, yeah, there's certainly been someone who we've loved to hate and mm -hmm. that's kind of what rivalries are like, right? Where yeah. we don't want to play them, but at the same time we want to play them and then yep. we just want to beat them. Um, and so it's, it's been a great rivalry since they've come into the, the league. I, I think it's going to be interesting going forward. I don't know if it reignites the, the situation we used to have prior to BYU coming in. That was kind of a rivalry with St. Mary's, mm -hmm. um, on the women's side, we've had a little bit of a chip on our shoulder against San Diego back and forth. They beat us yep. in the, the WCC tournament, Courtney's freshman year, Courtney Vandersloot's freshman yep. year. And so I know that there's a little bit there. I think everybody has a rivalry with Gonzaga, it seems yeah. like. Um, but the, you know, the conference is going to take a, a little bit of a, we're, we're going to need to figure things out a little bit because BYU yeah. and us are the only teams that have received at large bids in my 18 years at Gonzaga. So yeah. I, I don't know if, if something had happened prior to that, then maybe I'm wrong. But mm -hmm. since I've been there as an assistant and as a head coach, it's just been us. And so I think it's a good challenge for the rest mm -hmm. of our conference to pick things up a little bit, to schedule the best we can to, uh, we're always scheduling for an at-large bid, um, but mm -hmm. for others to do the same and then to go out there and, and win some of those games, because that is something that everyone, every time you play, every time everybody plays us, they mm -hmm. take a, a bump in their, yeah. um, their RPI or their net ranking. Same. That's yep. how we feel about BYU. And so we have to continue to do that for each other. And with the conference realignment that's happening right now, who knows, who yeah. knows what the conference is going to look like. Yeah. It could be 
it could be any of the people everyone's speculating. It could be people totally different. Yep. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see how the chips fall. And with all the new stuff with mm -hmm. NIL and yeah. the football stuff, and th there's so many unknowns right now, but um, you know, we're looking forward to one more year having them in the conference and hopefully yep. getting to play them three times. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm for the Zags winning all three of them. What do you think? <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's especially at least get the last one. At least get the yeah, last one. Yeah, that one's the best. Three, it seems like. Yeah. It's, it sure is fun to get that last one. Uh the WCC has has taken really big strides uh, again on the men's side for basketball. We've seen that quite a bit. And I think we've seen it a little bit on the women's side too. I know Portland's a program that has kind of made some some strides uh, after being a little bit towards the bottom uh, in the standings for a bit and we've seen San Francisco, you know, they had a pretty good year last year. Are you starting to see some of the other kind of conference teams start to take some of those bumps forward? I know BYU leaving is going to be a hit because that's one tougher or one tough game that they don't get to play every year. Two tough games they don't get to play every year. But uh, are you starting to see some of those other teams start to maybe pick it up a little bit and, and maybe hopefully create a little bit more parity in the league? I think so. I mean, it, it's what you hope for, right? Yeah. And I know that things, I know that things change, and we look in the conference. And if you take out of it, us out of it, then the second place team has kind of rotated around. Mm -hmm. um, same thing happens with the Pac-12. You know, Stanford's kind of always up there, but then the the mm -hmm. next best has kind of rotated around. And I think that's part of how it works um, yeah. in a cycle. But you know, Portland at some point was pretty low on yeah. uh, where they were finishing consistently, and they've certainly. Um, done a great job there since they got yeah. there. They're extremely competitive. They're tough to beat. They recruit mm -hmm. well. They coach their team well. And I think right now we have really great coaches in our conference. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, some are younger, some are older, but they're all good. They're energized. I think they're trying to be um, current and mm -hmm. you know, nobody's stuck in an old system that's not working well. If they, they either have an old system that works or they're trying mm -hmm. to do whatever is is current and modern and, you know, it's good for all of us um, yeah. when when the, t the conference can improve. And so I think that that's happening. It's yeah. not an overnight thing. It's a challenge. Um, and recruiting is hard, especially with some of the, the new stuff. But yeah. I think that our coaches are doing a good job with it. And hopefully we'll continue to, you know, we want to always be the best non um, non-BCS football or non-football school yeah. conference that we can be the best basketball conference out there. And so that's what we're yeah. always striving for. And um, I think that we're united in what that message is and what we're looking for as a, as a conference. And so hopefully we can continue to attain it. All right. Third segment coming up. Lisa and I are going to discuss how the transfer portal and NIL have impacted women's basketball, as well as a reflection on Title IX 50 years later. But before we get there, let's talk about Bet Online. College basketball may be deep into the offseason, but the MLB, WNBA, and MLS seasons are heating up into the summer months. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it. BetOnline remains the best spot for all the latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all of the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. They have lines for coaching changes across every major sport, so even in the offseason, you can get your fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online, where the game starts.
Well, you talked about the transfer portal a little bit, and that's kind of the next thing that I wanted to talk about. It's obviously that and NIL and, and now realignment have been kind of the, the most dominating topics in college athletics, uh, really for the last year or so uh, with the transfer portal and, and NIL. I, I'd love to hear your, your perspective on the transfer portal. Obviously, uh, your team utilized it this offseason, has utilized it before, but uh, it gets talked about so much with the, within the context of football and, and men's basketball and how much of an impact it's had there. But it, it exists in every sport, and it's making an impact uh, for teams' ability to kind of turn their rosters around. And uh, looking at, at your squad and, of course, the other squads in the WCC, how much have you seen uh, the portal having an impact? Yeah, I think it's an interesting piece. Um, mm-hmm. We've used it as a supplement. Um, sure. We haven't. We have only had three transfers in the last eight years, mm-hmm. so we are kind of an anomaly. Uh, mm-hmm. To be honest with you, there's been a lot more places that have had a lot of transfers, and so sure. I think that it's great for the supplemental use that we've had it for. We've a couple of these players we've recruited the first time didn't get them, and we've gotten them back the next time around. That's mm-hmm. that's Hayden Palmer, Chandler Smith, Caitlin Redmond, sure. Sierra Walker, Brennan Maxwell. There's been a lot of those. Uh, mm-hmm. We've also had some that we didn't know about necessarily the first time or um, just fit uh, a specific piece that we didn't know mm-hmm. we were going to need. Um, you know, that's and we right now we have Mount Hybens on our roster and she's in that category. Uh, mm-hmm. We didn't think we needed a post player at that time, but some things happened. People didn't stay, um, you know, for a mm-hmm. COVID year. And so she was just a great supplement. She's going to be a, a really good addition to our, our program. Yeah. So for us, I like it as a supplement. Um, Mm -hmm. It is interesting, though. I'm just I think that the players should have, you know, the ability to to leave. It's not a lifetime contract that they're signing. Sure. Um, But it is interesting how it's kind of a free for all um, (laughs) because you're I also see so much value. The players that we have for four years who stay and work through hard things, Mm -hmm. um, they grow so much. You know, as, as adults, we know that the things you go through are the things you learn the most from. And so it's, it's hard for me because you don't want a player to be in a, a situation. That's a terrible situation. You right. of course abuse and there, there's all kinds of bad stuff out there, Yeah, but those ones who just um, don't want to do hard things and are looking right. for some, an easier way. Those are the ones who I, I'm, I caution against. And I just am not sure if it's the right fit for, because I know mm-hmm. that how much growth they would make if they would stick through and, and just pr- see the perseverance at the end of it. So I think I'm a 50, 50, on sure. the portal certainly think that they should have that ability i know i do um i can mm-hmm. leave um and there's a consequence for me if i decided to go someplace else um but yeah. it isn't something i'm able to do mm-hmm. um, i just hope it'll be interesting to see also if it regulates once this covid part yeah. is over all these extra years that players have been given for the last you know for the four years of the mm-hmm. players who are on those teams so um I'm glad for it because we've been able to add some nice players to our program. And we're just trying to make sure that our players aren't leaving in mass. We're taking good care of them. We're trying to recruit the right ones the first time around so that, um, you know, we can continue to benefit from keeping as many as we can. Sure. And I mean, we talked earlier about like the development plan and like, if you have athletes on a plan where, you know, Hey, you know, maybe you're not going to be a starter in year one, or maybe you're not going to be a starter in year two, but like there's a development plan that's here and there's a clear path to playing time in a couple or more playing time in a couple of years. It would be frustrating if people were maybe not as willing to, to put that time in and wait. And I can understand why, like seeing players stick it out for three or four or five seasons, depending on the COVID year is, is a fantastic way to, to ensure that somebody's going to be a big time contributor. Uh, and, and, 
there's an element of that that could be potentially getting lost uh, at certain programs. It hasn't impacted the Gonzaga programs too much, but obviously you never know if that'll happen. But it is nice to see like, yes, they should have freedom. That makes sense uh, rationally that they shouldn't feel like they're getting penalized if they want to leave a situation that is ugly or bad for them. But but I do un- agree and understand with the concept of we, we wanted you here for four years for a reason. And it's unfortunate if you're not going to stick that out because that you know it disrupts our plans and we we had a vision for you. Yeah, and not everyone not everything is a great fit and sure. you know you don't always know that until mm-hmm. you you get there. But uh, for us the communication mm-hmm. is a huge part because yeah. not the the world is changing a little bit and I think we we're a little bit more instantaneous and mm-hmm. that, that's just the way of the times. Sure. But at the same time if we communicate um, our expectations in advance, then I, I think that it helps everything. It's good for the players. It's good for the coaches. And so trying to have clear communication on what the expectations are and what the process is. And this is how we envision this um, in an honest way. Yeah. We always say there's no smoke and mirrors when you come mm-hmm. to Gonzaga. We're, this is what you see is what you get. We're not cons. We're also not going to overly impress you with some sort of, like, we're just going to be mm-hmm. you know, hardworking, honest, communicate, uh, take good care of you pretty smart and um, pretty good at putting me in places to be successful. And then we'll see, yep. you know, where the chips fall. So. So NIL is kind of the other big thing that has changed in college basketball recently. Of course, the ability for student athletes to make money off name image likeness. Uh, again, another thing where the headlines have been dominated by football, specific, mostly a little bit men's basketball as well, but, but it's made its mark across all sports. And I know there was, there was a lot of concern about whether this would be something that would unfairly impact athletes of certain programs, wouldn't impact athletes of other programs. Uh, and, and that hasn't always been the case. Certainly there are still some, some, things to be ironed out here with with how NIL is being implemented uh, by the NCAA. I don't think that that is a controversial statement. It's It's been a little bit of the wild, wild west in a lot of ways. But I would love to hear kind of what your experience has been just seeing it with your athletes. Again, as we're recording this, it's basically exactly a year since it went into practice. So it's still pretty fresh. It's still pretty new. But it, but, you know, I would love to hear what it's been like for for you in the first year. Well, I think it's it's actually a little bit like COVID. You remember mm-hmm. when when they first started saying this is what this is what's bad? No, no, this is what's bad. No, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. Bad. You can get it like this. No, you can get it like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with NIL, it just keeps changing so much because yeah. they're trying to figure it out. I think that they put the what is it saying? The cart ahead of the horse a yeah. little bit on some of it. So they didn't have a full plan when they mm-hmm. rolled it out. And so it just is an ever changing situation. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I I'm all for it. I think mm-hmm. our players, if they want to work or find you know find a way to benefit from who they are i think that's great i think it's kind of along the lines with the transfer thing they they have those rights and they should they should be able to um execute them and and same Mm -hmm. thing with the nil if there's a bunch of people who want to buy a kaylin trong bobblehead she Mm -hmm. should make the money from it that's a kaylin trong bobblehead um and I know some people are doing creating content online. Mm-hmm. That's great. I'm always just cautious to the young women specifically on um, just know what you're selling exactly. Um, sure, that's yeah. all along. Um, my concern was just that their uh, women are often um, put in a situation where they have to show more skin yeah, or, yeah. you know, do this or that, or that a little bit more. And I'm not totally for that part. I don't think they should be subjected to that, but our, our players have some of them taken advantage of it and, mm-hmm. Um, it's great. It's nice to have supplemental. It, it will be interesting going forward to see how it gets regulated yeah. and um, where the disparities come. I know right now there's a lot of state by state things mm-hmm. and um, the, the collectives that are being formed are uh, 
adding to the questioning of, is it pay for play or is it NIL? Mm -hmm. But I think the idea behind it is great. And, you know, we're women's basketball is not making millions as a whole, Mm -hmm. you know, or billions or trillions. Um, Mm -hmm. And maybe that's what the football programs are making, or maybe that's what gymnastics is making. I can only speak for women's basketball, but I certainly think that the players are a huge part of that and Mm -hmm. they deserve, um, you know, their fair ability to try and profit off of um, what they do on the floor. And I just, I just love the ones that are finding a way to balance it because some people, I think it's too much to do both things well. And so that, Mm -hmm. that's also a thing that we're just trying to help them to figure out, you know, what that looks like for each player and um, how you can have some success with this if you'd like to. And we have some people, to be honest with you, between Mm -hmm. um, all the, the, we feed them all the time. We, they get costs of attendance now, Um, you know, all the things that we can give to them away from NIL who are like, it's not worth the bother for me. I I don't, I don't want anything extra on my plate. And then we have some people who are pretty into it. And so just trying to show up and be supportive of, you know, each, each side or each player Mm -hmm. in their own way. Absolutely. Shout out to uh, Shaniqua Nils to a women's basketball alumni who helped start the friends of spike uh, collective, which is kind of helping student athletes at Gonzaga raise money. I had her on the podcast recently. It was very cool to kind of see the ways that they're attempting to help student athletes while also being understanding of what student athlete life is like, uh, because that's something that I work with student athletes and and they had barely enough time to even meet with me for 10 minutes a week. So like trying to add something like this would be really, really difficult. And I could certainly understand student athletes who are like, I'm, I'm good. I don't need to worry about that. But but obviously the opportunity to to make money off of something off of you effectively and to kind of learn those skills is, is, is very valuable too. So it's kind of cool to see yeah. them trying to balance both of those things. Yeah. Cause some people, I mean, some of them, it's a full-time job with yeah. hosting and, you know, I have a mm-hmm. friend who it is her full-time job to be an influ- you know, a, a, a face on social media and those yeah. kind of things. She makes lots of money from it, but mm-hmm. it's her full-time job. Yeah. And so a lot of people argue that athletes have uh, two full-time jobs yeah. already yes. um, between a- academics and athletics mm-hmm. and, and yeah, Shaniqua is doing great work. Her and Matt Santangelo have been really, really helpful. She's a great mm-hmm. zag who mm-hmm. I can never hang out with enough. So <laughs> happy to have her on our side. All right, last question for you, Coach. Uh, the, the 50th anniversary of Title IX just recently passed, uh, obviously a landmark uh, ruling that helped helped even the playing field for women's athletics. Uh, I, I'm curious if you've had a chance to kind of reflect on 50 years in that kind of landscape and also you know, we've seen women's basketball popularity has has gone up. The WNBA is, is doing well right now. Certainly college basketball has, has grown. Uh, love to know kind of the what you're hoping for the future of women's basketball and kind of where we've come from now that this has been in place for, for a half a century now. Yeah, I think that we have made huge strides. I mean, I, I'm 41 and mm-hmm. it's very different now than it was when I was a kid. Sure. My mom will tell you that it's very different now than when she was a kid. Sure. And so I, I think the biggest growth we've had is in opportunity, which I think was the initial part of Title IX. We were trying to create the same opportunities for female athletes as male athletes had. And um, I'm, I feel great about the direction that that's going. Now it's become more of an equity thing. I know in the current times, um, mm-hmm. let, let's be equitable. Let's let's share. I know the WBCA and the Women's Basketball Association. There was a lot of stir last year, you know, two NCAA tournaments ago, the yeah. bubble, <laughs> and and that's every well documented, and everybody knows about all of that. Mm-hmm. But I think um, just trying to level the playing field and make sure that um, we're being treated consistently 
to what our needs are as female yeah. athletes. You know, not always the same as the the men, if that's not what we need or right. what we're seeking, but just making sure that we're treated um, as well as women's athletes can be treated or women athletes can be treated. And mm-hmm. continuing with opportunities, um, I think that the Title IX with the football part, I think, has helped us certainly because so many places, I think it's hurt some of the or affected more, I guess I should say, I don't know if it's hurt, but affected mm-hmm. more male sports because the football yeah. teams are so big. And so there's, you know, we have to have an equal right. part of that on the female side. And so I'm grateful for that. It doesn't look the same. And that's a great example of, we don't have to have women's football. We right. just have, to have as many opportunities as a football team would have. And yeah. um, I, I think we got, we still have work to do. There always will be, but I think we're in a good place going forward. And to be honest, 50 years is not that long in the big mm-hmm. picture of things. It, it, no. <laughs> it is to my kids. They would say that that's like eternity, right? <laughs> but, but to those of us who are close, I mean, it's relatively new considering, and there's been some great change that's happened in the first 50. And I just hope for continued change over the next 50. Absolutely. That's a perfect note to end on. Coach Lisa, 48, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate you taking the time. I'm really looking forward to seeing what this team looks like next season. Thank you for having me, Andy. All right. That is going to do it for us today. Thank you so much again to Coach Lisa Fortier for coming on to the podcast. Uh, Folks, don't forget to check out the new website for my written content at scorezagscore.com. Head there if you haven't looked at it already. we got another great guest joining the show for Wednesday's episode right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Available wherever you get your podcasts and, of course, available on YouTube as well. Finally, thank you again to those of you who have made Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. There's no Locked On WCC, there's no Locked On Big East, and we're not sure if there is a Pac-12 going forward, but we do know there is a Locked On Pac-12 podcast, and you can all check that out. Make it your second listen of the day. Host Spencer McLaughlin and the local experts of Locked On take you across the Pac-12 in 30 minutes, five times per week. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags!